This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is January 4th, 2022. Happy New Year. New Year's Eve on NXT. This is the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Alfred Kanawa here tonight. Just the two of us recapping New Year's Eve on NXT. Alfred, how are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing great. Happy New Year to you, too. Happy New Year's Eve to you in the chat. Uh, I'm doing good. This is uh, our first podcast of 2022. So, you know, a, a, a joyous occasion, if it were. I felt like tonight's NXT, imagine if you were in high school and you took Christmas break off, and then when you came back to school on Monday, January 3rd, you went, oh shit, my my big project is due tomorrow the 4th, <laughs> I should maybe pull an all-nighter and get this together. That is what New Year's Evil felt like tonight, that yesterday, the NXT crew rolled into to the performance center and went, "Oh shit, we've got a pay per view tomorrow night. We've got we've got a premium live event on free TV tomorrow night. Let's see what we can do." And they forgot to study. Is that that that's what it came off tonight? Is that they forgot to study? There were some moments. I mean, I don't know. We were talking about this uh, earlier. Um, it felt kind of predictable. Not, I mean, not a lot. Even the quote unquote surprises felt like what we were predicting were going to happen. Um, I mean, it was okay. It just wasn't. Yeah. It was. It didn't feel like a takeover or the yeah. American Bash or Halloween Havoc or any of the other events they've done. Yeah, there was nothing on this show that I would tell somebody to go out of their way to watch, which I think is the ultimate indictment on a pay-per-view type show. And you know, during the takeover era, I mean, it was filled with stuff that you should go out of your way to watch. And I, I just, you know, we were talking about this off air. I can't help but make that comparison to the takeover era. And if we're going to grade it on that curve, it didn't even measure up. I don't think a show like this. Yeah, it's unfortunate um, because I was really hyped for tonight. New year, new NXT. Figured Braun Breaker was winning tonight. I think that was the the, the safe money bet. Um, actually, would have been shocked had he not won that match. And it seemed for a hot minute or two like he might not win that match. But I do think it was very predicted. You know, I mean, how much more symbolic can you be with his entrance and him kicking open the old X <laughs> from NXT? Styrofoam yeah, I mean, come on. Like, this felt very new era. Um, but I don't know. Like, it, it pains me to say this because I feel like the new era isn't fully there yet or isn't fully ready to take the reins. Um, no. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I like a lot of the new era uh, and I like a lot of the old era that was still getting uh, some shine here. I mean, I like Cameron Grimes. I like Tony D'Angelo. I like toxic attraction. I think uh, the women's division is still a real uh, upside of the program, but yeah, there just wasn't enough tonight that felt like it was really putting over NXT 2.0. 
Yeah, and I feel like it's too little too late to tell the story of the new era, old era. I felt like that was the big storyline when NXT 2.0 first started. And during their first match between Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa, that was the energy, that this is a new era. And then when he lost, it's almost like they had to put that on pause. And then finally, he's gotten around to finally winning the title like we thought he would. But again, like you said, it just came off as predictable. And I think it it's too little too late in terms of telling that story of the new era because he's already lost in the past. So I, I think they pulled that trigger too late. I think he'll be fine on NXT and the main roster or whatnot. I'm not worried about that, but in terms yeah, of yeah. telling the story of Braun Breaker winning the title, I felt like they were a little behind on this. And, and even um, look at war games, uh, which was just like what five weeks ago or so mm-hmm. like war games even felt like that. I mean, they, they've been trying to push this narrative. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, you look at Braun Breaker coming out tonight and kicking, breaking down the X, signifying the old NXT is dead. I think Cody Rhodes was watching that and going, I don't know, isn't that a little too on the nose? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, uh, I don't know. I want to be hyped about NXT. I like NXT. NXT is still my favorite wrestling program to watch. Um, I just feel like, I feel like we're in for a very transitional era um, for the next couple months. I know I always make the SNL comparison, but yeah, this is, this is starting to feel like right after Eddie Murphy left and it was like, Oh, well, we've still got Joe, Joe Piscopo. And no one was tuning in for that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly pretty much what it is. I mean, since it began, it's been kind of a transitional, and we have fun with this. I mean, the best we can. We've picked our favorites. You know, shout out to Tony D'Angelo wasn't even on the show, which is an oh. egregious nature of itself. But at the same time, as much fun as we have with this product, it, it's not WWE's best foot forward. When you're looking at this from the standpoint that this is the future of WWE, it does kind of give you pause that it's like, well, this, you know, it doesn't seem like the hot product it was when it was supposed to be the future of NXT, uh, WWE the first time around. And uh, they just, they need something, you know, NXT 2.0, I do see flashes, but it needs something to connect the way that NXT in years past did. And they just don't have that right now. I can tell you exactly what's happening and I don't need inside sources to tell me this. I don't need fast nationals texted to me by someone whose initials are not VKM. I can tell you, I can tell you exactly what's happening right now is you've got the day-to-day guys, probably HBK and his lieutenants who are trying to run things and tell a cohesive story. And you've got Vince and the top WWE brass just involved enough to mess with things and probably hamper a lot of plans but not so much taking control and dictating what they want. And you've got this weird hodgepodge of visions of someone that's trying to put on two different versions of NXT, which is, is resulting in one amalgamation that's just kind of a middling show more often yeah. than not. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we talked about how Vince being involved in this, I think, is overblown. I don't think this is Vince McMahon's show, but I do think that they're doing the show in his vision. I do think he's given them probably like marching orders as to what he wants, what he doesn't want. And them doing that show is a show that they know that Vince McMahon would prefer. And, uh, you know, that's not all bad, but in terms of somebody having their fingerprints on the next generation of young talent, I'm not sure that Vince McMahon is a guy to, to have his hands on the product from that standpoint. And this new NXT 2.0, I just think, you know, it's just a matter of preference in terms of what the main roster wants. And I don't like the fact that it's been effective negatively based on that. Yeah, and I feel like with Triple H, Triple H could run enough interference and be left alone. And the worst thing he had to worry about is when Vince wanted to call somebody up. 
but he was left alone enough that he could recover. Vince never meddled in like, well, this is what you're going to do after we call up Shinsuke or after we call up Joe. Uh, Triple H, I think, was able to steer his own ship. This feels like a little bit of NXT by committee, and uh, it's just frustrating because I do think there's a ton of talent on the show that can really shine, but I just I feel like we're not seeing that more often than not as of late. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there is a lot of talent there. They have the ingredients to have a, a good show. I don't think the fault is on the talent. And obviously, they're not as experienced as they once were. But I really don't think that the whole problem is the quote unquote green wrestlers and whatnot. I do think it's the execution. And, and one of the biggest criticism I have with NXT is more of the creative side and, and how they get these people's stories across. I mean, good example of this Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes can wrestle really well. Cameron Grimes could have had his opponent slip on a banana peel. And the crowd would have hailed him as the future of wrestling. You know, if you have a good enough character and a good enough story and the audience is invested enough, they are very forgiving of the limits of your entering abilities. Flip side, you could be the best wrestler on earth. If you're in a shit storyline, man, nobody cares. Absolutely. 100,000%. The storyline is probably like 80% of, of what it is. And the creative and how people connect with these characters is always going to be a big part, which I'm sure we'll get into uh the news <laughs> yeah so uh, let's get into that in a moment jody shona jenkins canadian five dollars it's like four bucks american saying i cannot stand raw these days i believe AEW slaughters them on the regular however braun on raw i'm tuning in well AEW may be in the key demo uh in terms of the ratings uh but braun breaker on raw i think sooner rather than later uh maybe they can give him carrying crosses old gear Oh, hopefully not. Hopefully he doesn't have anything on his face, no mask. You know, even if he puts headgear on, I'm going to be nervous for Braun Breaker. But uh, okay, but what if it was like 1980s Anthony Michael Hall style headgear? Well, that'd be that'd be nice. You know, I would rather. <laughs> I'd rather wear it like his, you know, like his father used to. But that, you know, that Anthony Michael Hall would be good too. Yeah, he's just trying to get straight teeth, man. You know, yeah. got an overbite. <laughs> uh, okay, so what's in the news? What's in the news? Well, uh, let's start with the biggest story of 2022 so far. Black people <laughs> in AEW. This is a story that uh, has persisted since New Year's with Big Swole, of course, going back and forth with Tony Khan. Uh, I will say I'm very proud of Big Swole and how she expressed herself, that she was very earnest. And of course, you know, Tony Khan did come off as dismissive. A lot of people angry with him in terms of his response. I think even he could have done better in terms of how he responded. Uh, and uh, listen, a lot of people have a lot of emotions about this. I'm glad that uh, Black people in wrestling is now at a forefront in terms of a narrative. Uh, but Powerhouse Hobbs has now come out and spoke his thoughts in terms of being with AEW. We got to hear from Big Swole's perspective in terms of being in AEW and not feeling that uh, Black people were represented at the top. And Hobbs came out and he spoke in support of AEW, saying that he does feel listened to. He does like working with the people of color and Tony Khan and Mega in terms of uh, how AEW is run behind the scenes. And he also said that AEW essentially is a young company led by people of color heading in the right direction. I'm proud to be part of that momentum. And I know my colleagues stand beside me when I say that. So this is from Powerhouse Hobbs of AEW. Of course, listen, I'm very vocal in terms of my stance. I've been saying this for about a year now in terms of the lack of representation in AEW. Nobody has to ask me what I think in terms of this. But I am happy, like I said, to see so many different Black people in wrestling in these positions express themselves, whether it is in support of AEW or not in support of AEW. And uh, Hobbs felt compelled to speak out. 
I will say I found it a little uh, odd because I'm not going to, you know, I learned a lot reading uh, about what Powerhouse Hobbs had to say, but I thought it was very ironic that he's the one speaking out because I, I think when it comes to a lot of black talent that are underutilized, I think Powerhouse Hobbs is like the quintessential example of somebody who I look at. And I'm like, this guy looks like somebody. This is, I can't take my eyes off this gigantic man who seems like he could be a big star, but I never see the character developed. And I think uh, that would be my main problem in terms of AEW is a representation in terms of mm. black talent being able to cut promos, talk, develop their characters. I can tell you five things about Britt Baker without even, you know, that has nothing to do with what she looks like, you know? Uh, but with Powerhouse Hobbs, I couldn't tell you one. I don't know anything about Powerhouse Hobbs based on the character that is presented on television. And I hope AEW gets better with that, among other things, when it comes uh, to representation in wrestling. But what do you make of all this that's gone on with AEW and Big Swole and Tony Khan and Glenn? Well, I think if we've learned one thing, white fragility is not, like, white people do not have a lock on that market. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, and I, like, look, if you want to have a serious conversation and look at statistics or talk about well you know there was this many minutes of this or you know divided up by every different um background that a performer comes from like that's one way to look at it but i don't think that that's the appropriate response when especially someone is telling you their own personal experience of how they feel in their perspective. I think the most important thing you could do is listen. You don't have to agree with everything they say, but I think that if you're jumping to defend and like, like who knew there were so many statisticians in uh, the AEW <laughs> audience, because it's like, if you're just trying to rebut an argument based on someone's personal feelings without even listening to what they're saying, it's like, you're missing the entire freaking point um, in all of this. And I, you know, we've seen this, um, Time and time again, I think when there's criticism um, of wrestling, people feel a certain allegiance to the companies that they support. I mean, we invest our time in these companies, in these performers, but it's just so strange to me that someone will be like, oh, well, you're wrong. And it's like, first off, someone's experience is someone's experience and perspective. But it's just, it's, it's so insane to me. And what Tony Khan did with that tweet, it's just like, First off, if they were employees and not independent contractors, what he would have said even about, oh, I didn't feel the wrestling was up to par, so I didn't renew her contract, that would have been illegal if she was an employee. Like, you cannot talk personally about hiring decisions, letting somebody go, et cetera, et cetera. I just thought it was very disrespectful. And what does that say to any performer in the AEW locker room if they feel they're going to speak out on their experience that Tony Khan is going to straight up retaliate against you and take shots at you in response to that. Like, I mean, that's just being a shitty boss, man. Like, nobody wants to work for somebody like that. And I think it has a chilling effect on people speaking their mind. So, you know, yeah. I, I so I look, I applaud you for all the attention that you've brought to this. And I think that even hearing you say this tonight, um, people I've seen it, man. I've seen people try and dismiss your point and be like, oh, you know, we're not, we shouldn't just throw a championship on somebody, you know, as a reaction to a criticism. But no, what you're saying and what I've heard you say time and again, this isn't even necessarily about championships. This is about airtime. This is about development. This is about showcasing different perspectives, different characters, and having it be meaningful. 
Yes, representation. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head, Glenn, especially with the statisticians that you're talking about. And I feel like people always go to the extremes to where they say, well, we can't make all black people world champion or they go to world championships they go to racism, which isn't even really part of this discussion. There is a fine line and an in-between between black people being on television and wanton racism because if i thought the latter was true i wouldn't even be covering the company the way that i'm doing and i don't even think it deserves any type of real estate in this conversation and when it comes to yes like you said statisticians and uh the world champions or whatnot it isn't even necessarily that we could start small how about let them talk how about i can learn something about who these people are that is my problem because when you have them under contract when you have them win matches it's too easy and too tempting to just mark that off like it's a tax write-off like oh we had three black people win matches last month and then it turns into what we call on the pro wrestling bits youtube channel a racial roll call and instead it should be about representation it should be about developing fully formed black characters which aew has not done it's inarguable that uh, the the development of black characters which is just a small starting point that i would like to see aew take advantage of that's something that i think uh is a, a point of frustration with a lot of black talent in AEW. and it's just very interesting to me this knee-jerk reaction that i see specifically coming from aew fans if you criticize their lack of meaningful stories with black talent uh, for the longest time. It was even lack of a meaningful women's division. Like all of a sudden they've got like talking points memorized. It's very weird. It's very weird to see them do their mental gymnastics. And I mean, well, I don't know. I think that it, to me, it's also like gatekeeping, you know, I mean, but this is, this is the, the kind of bigger point though. It's um, and, and this was totally overlooked, um, which I think this does tie into to all of your criticism and concerns again, which I think are exceptionally valid and you do use humor quite a bit. And there's a lot of truth in humor and humor is very powerful because sometimes even if you go overboard and I'm not, I'm not suggesting you did, but even when you say things like all elite whiteness, yeah, uh, but, think, yeah but you know what I'm saying though? I'm saying that by using yeah. that, like that's what draws attention to it. Somebody needs to take almost an extreme stance sometimes to get people to meet them in the middle. Absolutely. Especially when, you know, that makes complete sense, especially when it comes to something like race. And I've been covering wrestling for over a decade now, and I just know how fragile people are when it comes to that topic. But it's something that's very uh, near and dear to my heart, something that I care about. And I'm a comedian. I see things through the lens of humor. So that is how my point is going to come across. And I do think it adds something different to the wrestling community discourse in terms of how this particular thing, which is very ugly, something that a lot of people are scared of, but it is right for comedy in terms of making that point through it. And it's something that's very meaningful and and you know again to your point about the talking points one of them is people saying well wwe got away with this for 50 60 years i wasn't around 60 years ago and one of the reasons they did get away with it is because there weren't black people around to speak out about this stuff but that's what you're seeing now and that's why it's becoming part of the narrative and i'm glad and it's not going anywhere so i'm glad that aew is at the very least aware of this what they do with this who knows but i will continue to talk about this as long as i feel like these opportunities are being provided uh for black people to just be fully human on television there's nothing wrong with that the most powerful television i watched in 2021 did you watch the real world reunion yet the I did. first oh, one yeah. in new york yes. so julie oh my god first off kevin powell deserved every apology he got on that show for people yeah. trying to paint him as a character of an angry black man in the 90s for saying things that history has proven him so right but i think julie really hit the nail on the head for me where she said it's not enough to not be racist you have to be anti-racist and call out racism where you see it and fight against it. And where I see 
so much disconnect now is that and, th- and like my generation especially is super guilty of this because we grew up in a time where i think we recognized racism we probably had like family members or neighbors or people in older generations that we grew up around and we said okay well we're not going to be that way um that's where that whole i don't see color and all that those other terrible platitudes came from but i think that my generation really thought like well we're not racist we elected the black president Everything is fine. We've achieved equality. We're a society of not racist people. Look at us not being racist. And then almost turning a blind eye to all the really fucked up shit that still goes on and the racism that that just like lives, breathes, and breeds out there. Um, and I think that that, for me, has just been a huge turning point in really understanding that. And I think a lot of people are understanding that coming around to it. But it's just, it's such a weird time that like what way people try and defend things i don't know it just it gets under my skin i know we're getting like really deep into the weeds here but one other thing i wanted to talk about though and this was completely ignored big swole's other huge 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 bomb was talking about limited perspectives in the locker room in creative not everybody can write from themselves and if you think about it i get the impression and again this is me painting with a broad brush here but it's like Tony Khan really liked being the elite and just sort of said, well, I want to build a promotion around these guys. And then we're going to bring in a lot of other talent to supplement them. But I've got a pretty good idea of like who my core is. It's kind of like with Bischoff and the NWO and like the people that he was listening to, the thing that made WCW like really repetitive and unwatchable. But I feel like TK's got this like limited circle and that's what he cares about. And everything else is sort of secondary. If you don't impress him or break through, he's not necessarily looking to give you an opportunity. You have to make that for yourself, but it's hard to make it for yourself when you've got like the same, I mean, look at case in point, look at that Friday show. That was like eight man tag, 10 man tag. It's like, did we need to see those wrestlers on TV yet again at the expense of giving other talent opportunities? Yeah, and there's a lot of sameness when there is that inner circle and it is limited, is that you see the same prototype of wrestler get these opportunities. And I know that these discussions about whatever, I don't like the buzzwords of like diversity, representation, inclusion, or whatever words people are using. It is something that people use, especially in Hollywood, if you're watching right now, to pat themselves on the back and say, oh, look, we're checking all the right boxes. But this also is advice in terms of how to make your company better and how you really could make a lot more money if you were able to just tap into that black community. That's a way AEW could differentiate itself from a WWE in terms of connecting with a different type of people. And the people in terms of the black community are the ones who make everything cool. A lot of the cool things that we see today in the country came from black Twitter. Okay, and so if AEW is somehow able to connect with that audience, it wouldn't just be a pat myself on the back. Look at us. We're diversity. It would be something to where it could legitimately make this company into a mainstream entity if they were able to do it successfully. Well, and if they do it the right way, the right way to do it is you have black voices, black creative. You integrate that culture into your culture. The wrong way to do it is you just copy and rip that off. Don't give credit. and be like, see how cool we are. And that's a whole other discussion that we can have. Yeah, but assuming basically... they do it the right way. Yeah, they don't voice to mend this thing. Yeah. Hey, Motown Philly's a jam, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michael Bivens made like 15% of all that. Uh, yeah, that's good. I'm just talking about how like the boy bands ended up just kind of stepping no, no, in front and, you know. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. But no, look, I mean, don't we, like, I care a lot about this. You care a lot about this. I know the fans care a lot about this. And I'm saying this, you know, Michael the Virus is like, oh, you know this, you hang with TK. It's like, I watch the product, dude. You can't tell me that, like, there, there is, you can tell who Tony's invested in, same way you can tell who Vince is invested in. This yeah. isn't unique. 
it just so happens that Vince, and I'm not saying Vince McMahon is like humanitarian of the year, like building the bridge, you know, between races and cultures. It just so happens that in Vince's wheelhouse of wrestlers that he cares about pushing does tend to be more black talent. Yeah. And, and WWE is good across the board in terms of uh, making sure that they have an eclectic mix of talent, but they've been better than ever in terms of black talent. I'm very pleasantly surprised. And I think it's crazy. I would have never been able to predict that before AEW opened its doors, given some of the language you heard from AEW being the progressive company, that WWE was going to be kicking AEW's ass when it comes to representation of black talent, because they're doing a great job of that in terms of some of their top tier superstars are black. We saw that tonight with, uh, with NXT as we'll get into it. And that's the weird part too, man. It's that like AEW did sort of come out. I mean, they did everything except call themselves like all elite wokeness with like, we're going to be the most inclusive wrestling company. We're going to be progressive. We're going to not do all these backhanded racist things that other promotions have done. We're going to, you know, put a long tail on that kite when the company was new. (laughs) Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, it's like, like we're getting something completely different in terms of how they're uh, represented. And I'm glad that people are here to talk about it. They're being held accountable for it. That's a good thing. I don't care about three years. I don't care how long they've been in existence. As long as I'm in existence as somebody in a black man who covers professional wrestling and is pro-black, I'm going to continue to talk about this. And I'm sure a lot of people will. And that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. And they did say, remember like Cody, Again, like year one, there was a lot of like, please hold us accountable. I'm not right. hearing, I'm not hearing that come out of AEW anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. They're like, okay, not that accountable, Twitter. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, like Tony, that shit. Like, I deserve credit for paying all the women that appeared in WM. <laughs> when he cut the I female journalist off, it's just like, dude, come on, somebody take Kendall Roy's phone away. Tony Twitter fingers might be my favorite non-wrestler of 2021. He, he gets the award uh, for strictly ironic reasons. Tony Twitter fingers, Tony Khan on Twitter. I, I think he's learned though. That's a good thing is that hopefully <laughs> hope he's, he's learned from this, but we'll see. Hey, crazier it gets yeah. on Twitter, the funnier. Okay. So we got other news stories, but Mike D patiently waiting $5 super chat. If demolition goes in the hall of fame, should it be ax and smash or ax smash and crush your thoughts? I think it should be all three. I think all three of them contributed to it, but ax and smash are the OGs. So I would have no problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. I like when they open it up a little bit more. I mean, it, it, like it would suck to be like one of the later drummers of, you know, but that wasn't the deal. Like even Pearl Jam got into the Hall of Fame. It was like Pearl Jam's had like five drummers. Like yeah, they had to fight yeah. to get all of them inducted. I think one of them didn't even get invited to the ceremony, even though he was inducted. You know, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah, you got to get them all on there. Yeah. What else do we got? What else is in the news? Well, let's run through these next. We talk about diversity and representation. It looks like Jake Atlas is all elite. He yes. had a tryout match at AEW Dark. Of course, he didn't really have a, a good run in NXT, despite how immensely talented he is. Uh, he is now with AEW. What do you think about that, Glenn? Love Jake. You know, one of my wife's biggest regrets is we saw him wrestle Jungle Boy. What was it? All pro wrestling. God, I guess this was a summer right before COVID. So right when AEW was starting up. And I got a Jake Atlas t-shirt. She didn't get one. She still brings that up to this day. <laughs> she wanted the Jake Atlas shirt. Love Jake Atlas. Um, and he can really go, man. I mean, like, oh, yeah. what we saw in NXT, like, that was nothing. Like, this kid is talented. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, like, it was just a sliver of what he can do. And he still, I thought, looked pretty good in NXT, although not as good as his peak. And this guy, when he was in PWG, was just lighting the world on fire. And hopefully we get more of that. I'm sure we will in terms of how AEW allows our wrestlers more freedom to um, 
to, to do their thing. So that should be pretty fun if, if he, you know, provided he gets that opportunity, Jake Atlas and AEW. And, uh, of course, the first judge has been revealed. This surprised me for Brian Danielson, Heyman on a page. The first judge for this match, which if it goes to a 60-minute draw, they will go to judges. Uh, and the first judge is Max Caster. Coincidence, Glenn. <laughs> Do you think he's going to wrap his decision? Because it's definitely going to 60 minutes. Oh, really? You think so? You don't have judges that are going to decide the match if it comes to a 60-minute draw and then not put it to a 60-minute draw. That's just That's just bad storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they'll have, but I do believe they did have a match with judges. I think it was last year and they did not go to the time uh, finish. But, you know, I could see it going the full 60 minutes and Max Caster better wrap his, you know, his decision. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Um, I think half this match should be Max Caster. Once it gets to 30 minutes, you just let Max Caster wrap the whole time. He's been on an upswing, man. I know we we clashed a little bit early on about like some of his content material and the way it was presented, but I think he's in his zone now. Yeah, yeah. No, he's been very good. I mean, that run that he had when he was talking about Jungle Boy and then he had the mm-hmm. MLK, no, it was the JFK line the other night. And yeah. he's been doing some great stuff. I, I really, I love the the Thanksgiving line about uh, Brian Danielson's father-in-law was, was a yeah. couple. So, yeah. As long as they give him uh, the chances, he's just he's been knocking him out of the park. Max Caster, I will donate a hundred dollars to your favorite charity if you work in something about taking TK's phone away in your next freestyle. Oh, please, please, Max, let's get edgy. I don't think TK will approve that, but hey, you know, what is he gonna do? <laughs> I mean, the optics wouldn't be good of TK firing Max Caster right now, so he's pretty much got like a free pass. He's got the Mario Star where he can do anything he wants. Good lord. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, how the, I, I mean, Tony Khan hasn't taken that damn tweet down, man. Like, oh, no, no, he can't. That's the billionaire in him. That's that's how all. That's what I'm saying. All these people who are like the beloved billionaire, this that. Do you not know how these people are wired? Like, let's not anoint him just yet. Not that I hate Tony Khan or even Vince, but everybody can get it. You should treat everybody equally in terms of criticism and what they are entitled to. But there was this. You know, there was this perception that Tony Khan is just just beloved billionaire. And it's like, man, wait till you see that billionaire energy come through. Do you think that there's an inherent narcissism and out of touchness that uh, people who become billionaires already have? Or do you think being a billionaire that runs a wrestling company gives you that narcissistic out of touch quality? No, I think that it's a billionaire quality. It's the fact that and this is not a knock on him. Just his upbringing was probably more protected than not. Probably a lot better than our childhood. And if you grow up as somebody who does not have to worry about money, you cannot replace that grittiness and that inherent uh, uh, quality about somebody who has to, whether it's fight, scratch, or claw, somebody who uh, doesn't take as many things for granted. And I do think that being in that protective environment, it makes it harder for him to take a, a, a criticism. I think that's something that's common among all, whether it's Vince, when you saw him in that interview with Bob Costas, whether it was our old president, Billionaires, people who are brought up in that protected environment have a hard time taking criticism, very thin skin, not used to it. And I think that's manifesting itself with Tony Khan. Yeah, no, absolutely. Our final story, the XFL is coming back a year from today, Glenn. Are you excited about that? I was last time. I I, I stayed up late. I made a clip some HD Homer Simpson XFL gifts ready to go. Very excited. And uh, I feel like I got one weekend out of that before it folded. <laughs> they, they came kind of close. Like last time around, they got stopped by COVID, but the ratings weren't. The ratings were like on the cusp of getting another season and then, you know, getting shut down. But 
who knows? With all that TV money floating out there, all they need is content and to just be good enough to stay on TV. And maybe a company will buy them and give The Rock some more of that money that he doesn't need. They're him. Oh, yeah. A lot of other people. <laughs> That's part of it, too. I'm so thinking about it now. There's something to be said. I think there are two inherent life experiences that make you just just like better as a person and certainly better as a boss. One is if you've been broke before, Mr. The Rock, seven bucks in his pocket. Or two, if you grew up with no, or, or uh, so if you've been broke or if you grew up around people who didn't have very much. I think you need one or both of those experiences to really be a well-rounded yeah. person with empathy these days. Yeah, and, th- and that's not to say this makes you evil to have money or whatnot, but there oh, are no, going no. to be certain blind spots in terms of you growing up your whole life with, with that type of money. It, it, you know, There's going to be some reality checks that you're going to deal with, and I think this is just one of them for Tony Khan. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, this is very strange to me. Uh, I think everyone could use a little bit of humbling uh, at some point in their life. But XFL, we'll see. Third time's the charm. Yeah, we'll see. I think I think it's gonna work out this time. Call me crazy, but I think The Rock knows what he's doing. Stephen Marcuccini, Buck ninety nine. Do you think Cross or Braun go back to WWE? Braun, yes. Carrying Cross, not so much. I just think even if I was carrying Cross and they invited me back, I wouldn't. I just think the damage has been done there. I th- I've always felt that Braun Strowman was gonna go back to WWE. Even after he got fired, I was thinking, okay, maybe they're just restructuring. But just something in me thinks that Braun Strowman is gonna be headed back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, okay, NXT. Here we are. See, I thought this would be a quick show tonight, Alfred. I was like, oh, Lisa's <laughs> out. We're just going to knock this out, man. You know? Uh, Stella just Lopez, 499. This is the same guy who was called a nerd by fans in a Jaguars game. And then he cried about it on Twitter. He was called a nerd. Yeah. He was called the, I'm sure he sees it as being called the N word. And he thought that he's being oppressed against. <laughs> You terrible fans. How dare you call him the N-word? Anyhow, NXT. NXT, New Year's Evil. Timestamp it for the people that are going to complain. Be like, oh, 33 minutes into the show. They start talking about it. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, New Year's Evil, we open tonight with the title versus title unification match, the NXT North American champion, Carmelo Hayes versus NXT Cruiserweight champion, Roderick Strong. So we only found out like last week these were going to be unified. And originally it was going to be unified as the North American title. Now it's the North American Cruiserweight title. I don't like that at all. I don't like them combining the words like that. Why does it have to be a North American? How specific is that? The North American Cruiserweight title. So, like, you can only defend it against people 205 and lower in North America, so they can't go to Brazil and defend this title? Well, we're going to have, I think, a UK Cruiserweight champion. I think they're... No, we're we're not. All those territories (laughs) Triple H is going to bring NXT into are all going to have their own Cruiserweight championships. Yeah, I'm not hot on the naming of this title, the North American Cruiserweight Championship. That's just too much of a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Good match, though, right? Very good match. I thought this might have been the best match on the show. I thought this was really good. And I'm glad that Carmelo Hayes won this. So we've had two double champions in NXT, both black men with Carmelo Hayes and Keith Lee both having double titles. And, uh, yeah, we're going to merge this into the NXT North American Cruiserweight Championship, which is going to be weird. But – uh, I like the match. I did like this match. Roddy came through in terms of, you know, he's, he's a good hand. Always been a good hand. 
I'm sure that's that's what he dreamed of. That that's was his he goal. He's like, I want to be a solid worker in NXT. All my buddies left and went to AEW, and I just I just want to be that guy, that player coach, if you will. Yeah, sticking around, not about the glory, just about good matches and uh, you know collecting a check. Just yeah, it's all we need is your hand, Roddy. Just everything else, whatever. Yes. Ah, this is. Very good match. I like Carmelo Hayes winning. Yeah, this is it's, it's good, and they they're doing a great job with. Uh, I think they're doing a great job with this character and fostering him as a top star of NXT 2.0. This is one of the success stories I think of NXT 2.0, and a guy who who definitely seems like he's ready for this spotlight, and he pretty much got it immediately, and it's not let up. And I, him and Trick Williams are a good act, and so we'll see what they do with this title. Again, I think Joe Gacy's plans would have been maybe a little bit better, but I'm glad that they found their way to Carmelo Hayes. So I'm not going to complain about this. Yeah. I thought the Joe Gacy plan actually would have been. Yeah, that, that would have been pretty fire. That could have saved the character. I really think him doing that in action, the all-inclusive challenge, when they did the little bit of that, I thought that was the best thing he's done since being on the main roster is – you know, even the visual of him just getting ready to fight this woman. It's like this guy, like this tells you everything about this disingenuous heel. And, um, but they got away from all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was a really good match to open the show. I think there is so much potential, um, in where Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams can go from here. Uh, Bivens though, man, like this has been tough with diamond mine. I mean, I feel like every time they get a little momentum, something, Gives him a step backwards. Yeah, yeah. It has been two steps forward, one step back um, with Diamond Mine this whole time because I did feel like just as they were starting to come into their own, now Roderick Strong loses. And they didn't they didn't seem to tease Ivy Nile and Von Wagner. So maybe that's the next step is we're going to get this intergender feud with Von Wagner and Ivy Nile. Uh, but uh, I like Malcolm Bivens. I think he's great. I mean, I, I don't think great. I wasn't here to talk about the segment they did last week, but I thought he was out of this world uh, with, with that talking segment that he did. And he just does a good job holding him together. It's just like you said, they do need some momentum. They need to keep it going for, for a while, but they just haven't seemed to be able to do that. It's challenging too, because he's got a stable of wrestlers who combined have maybe the personality of a jelly donut. And then you've got, <laughs> Biv, you've got Bivens, who is just like so charismatic. It's like one thing if you're managing a tag team that's like not super charismatic, or like one wrestler who you know is good in the ring and you've got a great mouthpiece. But it's just kind of weird that they have the stable that yeah, they're all gifted. I mean, they look like a superhero team. They look like, like Alpha Flight from uh from the Marvel books. Um, but yeah, it's like once Viv gets off the mic, it's like, okay, we're going to watch him wrestle now, but I'm, I'm almost not as invested at that point. Like, they almost have to involve Viv in the matches more. I mean, don't you think the best managers were the ones that would get more involved oh, yeah. in their matches? If you get more involved and get heat on the guy. The problem is, I think they've got the wrong ace with Roderick Strong, because that is a great point that you bring up in terms of you get excited with Malcolm Vivens doing the promos and all the stuff that he creates. But the leader, the de facto leader of this group is Roderick Strong, who is not much of a personality, is not much of a character. All he really does is wrestles well, and that's fine. But that's it's hard to get heat on a guy who wrestles as well as Roderick Strong does and doesn't have much for you to boo. And so I think they need to change the aces. Maybe if Malcolm was with somebody else uh, who could have used a promo, but in the ring can get heat, I think that might be the way to go. Yeah. Um, 
in this day and age, if your character is that you are a really good wrestler, that is like the most generic, uninteresting shit that you can have going for you. You know, like even Ricochet, who I think isn't, who's like a phenomenal wrestler, who's like next level, who puts most guys to shame with what he can do. Even that wasn't enough to get him even well-established in the mid card. Because that's not what people buy into these days. They want characters. Right. And the, the ceiling for just being a good wrestler is you got to get behind a more charismatic wrestler. Just ask Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. And that's going to be Roderick Strong's ceiling is go get behind Adam Cole. And that's only going to last for so long. You've got to have more and more gears and more stuff to do other than your wrestling. Yeah. Oh, but good match. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here, but I, I think Diamond Mine needs something really hot uh, yeah. at this point to establish themselves. And, and it's weird, too, because that's when we're with Malcolm Bivens. I mean, Stokely Hathaway, when he signed with NXT, and it was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. This guy's fire on the mic. I, I still feel like they've had one arm tied behind his back this entire sure. time. Yeah, there's always going to be that kind of WWE script that you're going to have to follow and you're going to have to make the most of it rather than really kind of capturing your own voice. Yeah. AJ Styles in NXT faced off with Grayson Waller and AJ putting over NXT by reminding people he went right to the main roster. They beat in the Royal <laughs> Rumble, but oh, he loves his NXT. Yeah, he said he wishes he would have gone to NXT. All the stuff he was saying, putting over NXT, I should have been in past tense because he's really mostly talking about what NXT used to be rather than uh, what it has become. Yes. Grayson Waller came out to rebut, talks us back about AJ, and then tried to put a, pull a B-Rabbit with like, I know everything he's about to say against me. I am white. I am a fucking bum. I do live in a trailer with my mom. I do got a dumb friend named Cheddar Bob who shoots himself in the leg with his own gun. He get jumped. By all six of you, all chumps. Six of you chumps. And wig dig my girl. I'm still standing here <laughs> screaming, fuck the free world. Oh, my God. I love 8 Mile. Grayson Waller's <laughs> oh, promo yeah. was not as good. Because, you know, why AJ didn't go to Cranbrook? That's a private school. Um, <laughs> Grayson Waller, like, he's got the look. He's got the cockiness. But every time he talks, hibbity hoo blah. No, it's just so, like, <laughs> Keep I going. Anything. I don't hear anything he says. It's just the most generic shit, and I can't get into it. This guy's a gangster. His real name's Alan. <laughs> Wait, is that AJ's real name? Is it- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alan, Alan Jones Styles, I believe. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, right great. there. Oh, my God. And... um I just look at this and AJ is good. AJ can phone it in and get people into it. But if you look at AJ's best feuds, Grayson Waller is not one of them. No, no. And this is going to be good for Grayson in terms of rubbing elbows with AJ Styles. Um, And I think the match will be fine. AJ Styles will hopefully be able to, you know, carry him to a decent match. Uh, I I didn't hate Grayson Waller. I'm not as low on him as you were, but um, I I do feel that there was, you know, a little something missing maybe. And I was very surprised that AJ Styles did not wrestle on the show because if you look on WWE.com, they made it seem, they used a graphic to make it seem like they were going to wrestle. And they used language that made it seem like, yeah, yeah. they're probably going to wrestle. And then he shows up in full gear and you don't get him wrestling. And I thought it was such kind of like a swerve move. And I think one of the reasons this show is going to do a good number is, yes, it's a TV special, but also you got, riddles on it and now aj styles is on it 
And I felt like on a made-for-TV pay-per-view special that Styles would wrestle. And the fact that he didn't, I thought was kind of a letdown. Well, and in fact, um, next week, AJ versus Grace and Tony D versus Pete. Like, next week's looking pretty hot, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they stack that show by the end of the show. And I like when they do that. That's how this show is going to be able to sustain. Because they're going to do a good number for this show. And you need to sustain that by telling people what they're going to watch next time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this promo was okay. You know, but I yeah, mean, exactly. do you think, it was average. But do you think Grayson's going over next week? I do not. I'd be shocked if he did. Uh, I just feel like there's just like, especially with this era of NXT stars, that there's just like WWE guys are not going to lose to NXT guys. It's just, especially going to NXT to lose. I just couldn't see that happening with a guy a level of AJ Styles, even though they're beating him left and right. With Omas, I think that's a whole set of circumstances that's different. And I do think AJ Styles is going to win this match. If Grayson wins, Vince is really high on Grayson. Oh man! If if Grayson wins, we we need a that's a story. I mean, I think I'll be shocked, but yeah, I, mean, I think the fact that he's feuding with AJ Styles shows how high Vince and the office and the people in charge are on Grayson. But if he gets to go over, that that's even better. Um, it's interesting though because with Grayson showing up like on the main roster on TV, I mean, I don't know, maybe they're really into him. Maybe this this will be, I mean, he got to be the guy that took out Gargano, you know? I don't know, and AJ's not exactly at, like, the height of his career right now. I don't know. This will be very interesting. Yeah, Styles is very beatable right now. And they have played up the fact that he lost to Omos, so maybe by then next week he'll have lost again to Omos, and they'll play up the fact that he's hurt and that he's oh, not yeah. at 100%, and that could give him an inroad to win. Yeah. I could see that. Um, so we got Imperium versus MSK with Matt Riddle tonight. What did you think of this? I love this. I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought Riddle looked great. I think pro wrestling needs more DJs. Pro wrestling does not have enough DJs because I really did like the mix that that DJ did when he was putting their, the MSK and Riddle songs together. And it was good to see Walter. It was crazy because Walter coming into NXT is usually a big story in and of itself. But because Riddle was in this match, I think he just kind of towered and in, in, was more of a presence than Walter was, but I thought Walter was good. And and Imperium is at its best when they're teaming with Walter. You know, just like we were saying about uh, Roger Strong and the Colorado's of the world, Imperium's like that to where they're enhanced when a guy with the star power and presence of a Walter is there. I thought this match was really good. Yeah, I thought, and uh, Riddle dropping Barthel with the RKO for the pin and the win. MSK yeah. and Riddle winning. Um, this was fun. Nice little revisit of matt riddle and nxt i mean this felt very this felt very classic nxt tonight these six guys in the ring together yes absolutely did and i thought msk looked great nash carter was bumping his ass off i thought he looked really good and uh, i thought this was just really good this I, i'm sad that this is like because riddle like pretty much scooted off into the sunset and uh and i'm looking at a match like this and of course that story came out that this was supposed to be jeff hardy's spot actually and i, I think that this is more of a i'm kind of glad to see that riddle was one who interacted with like walter i think that's such a perfect pairing is riddle is a shooter and walter carries himself like a shooter and has those big gigantic hands and he slaps and chops people with and i just thought that it was great chemistry yeah i think jeff hardy would have been really cool but um with riddle like this just worked and i think yes. that the vignettes might not have played as well if it would have been the same well i don't think they'd be riding around on scooters but um some of the vignettes might not have played as well with hardy i don't know um yeah this was a really 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 good match and what i didn't like about this though is afterwards we had uh the backstage segment um 
where basically, I mean, the Dusty Tag Team Classic, that's going to be decide the next contenders to go up against Imperium for the championships. Yeah, and they're actually really kind of quietly building up this tag team division to where it's like, if you look at the field, it's actually a pretty strong field for the Dusty Classic. And and MSK won it last year, right? Yes, MSK won this last. So I don't know if they're winning. I think the Brothers Creed, as they're now known, are probably going to be your odds on favorite to win. Well, because they changed their name. And so I think that's going to really try to get this thing over. I don't know, man. I mean, there are so many good tag teams right now. That's why, look, if it's it's kind of like you were saying, though, earlier, it's like, it's a weird technicality. They're like, oh, well, Imperium's the tag champs. Well, is Walter there every week? Then who cares? Nobody goes to see the news in concert. You want to see Huey Lewis and the news. <laughs> yeah, you want the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Walter is the Huey Lewis of Imperium. And without him, I'm sorry. It just doesn't work, man. Um, He's Simon. Yes. But uh, I want, I want, want, want... Um, God, there's a, so, I mean, I'd be happy with MSK again as champs. I'd be happy with Jacket Time as champs. I think Jacket Time's a lot of fun. Crowd really gets into him. Even with that one terrible, terrible promo, yeah. like, that still didn't sour me on Jacket Time completely. You know? I don't know. I think there's just yeah, a lot that, they could do. That's going to be a fun tournament, I think. I think they've done a good job with this tag. If they, well, maybe it might be the best thing that they've done in this era of NXT 2.0 is build these tag teams. And, uh, and it's a, it should be a pretty good tournament. Well, the other fun thing is we get makeshift tag teams all the time in the Dusty. And yes, sometimes those yes, makeshift tag teams stick. So that'll be really nice as well. As long as Brooks and Dunn don't win, I think they're the most boring of the tag teams. Here they come. I'm telling you, you've just jinxed it. They're going to win it. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, Electra Lopez says everyone wants to know, going on, know what's going on with her and Zion Quinn uh talks about santos escobar and uh they're setting up next week santos versus quinn like and i i don't know i'm curious how this is all going to play out next week yeah what is where are we going with this uh storyline they're actually doing like a love storyline but i i felt like they lost a plot with this weeks ago and uh hopefully they get back on track and and she chooses a side uh, but I think we're going to get her and Zion Quinn in some type of alliance. Maybe we get a double turn. Yeah, maybe. Um, she's cool as hell, though, man. Yeah, I like Electra Lopez. I think she's, she's got a, you know, got a ways to go in the ring, but uh, definitely a lot of star power. No, absolutely. So Mandy Rose arrived by helicopter. Raquel Gonzalez uh, by motorcycle. And Cora Jade skateboarded in, proving she is the greenest of the yeah. contenders. It's like the uh, game mentions is based on how long they've been in NXT. So if you have experience, like Mandy Rose has been in WWE and NXT, you get the helicopter. Raquel got the motorcycle, and Cora got the skateboard. Well, she cares about the environment. You yes. know? Yeah, low carbon emissions. Uh, no, I thought cool entrances this felt like a big match um they gave this a lot of time i think this went longer almost than the main event did tonight yeah and it might have gotten too long uh, i think i mean because this it was a fine match but there were there's a lot of wonkiness going on um i i thought it was because this is supposed to be in the match i thought it was funny how raquel gonzalez at one point threw cora jade over the top rope so she picks this woman up gorilla press slams her over the top rope and then Mandy Rose moves out of the way, so Cora hits flat on the on the mat, and the character Raquel Gonzalez is looking at it like, "Oh no, no, that's not what I meant." It's like we well, yeeted her over the top rope, so you clearly meant to hurt her somehow. So you can't now feel bad and try to get sympathy because she didn't get caught by Mandy Rose. I thought that was very funny. 
Yeah. Uh, the end was a little rough to this match. Um, it is interesting, though, because for as much as we talked about, this could go any number of different ways. It did go with Mandy Rose winning and Jade eating the pin, um, which I think was one of the scenarios we predicted. Um, but Toxic Attraction, I still feel like, is hella over and um, has a lot left to do in NXT. Yeah, that's the big act that they're pushing. And so I definitely did uh, anticipate Mandy winning. I'm surprised that she didn't get help from Toxic Attraction. Uh, I don't know if this is a yeah. COVID thing where they can't only have so many people there, but I'm shocked that we didn't even see them in this match. But uh, I'm not surprised that Mandy Rose won. I am surprised how she won. Yeah. God, isn't it terrible with everything going on when someone's not on a show? That's our first assumption again. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. It's the world we're in. Oh, man. But I really like this match nonetheless. I like all the talent involved. And um, where do you think Mandy goes from here? Um, well, I think it's going to, because this is kind of how I saw this going in that, you know, like we were saying, that Cora Jade would take the pin. And that's I think that's going to lead to uh, tension between Cora Jade and Raquel. So I think they're going to go off by themselves. And I think uh, Mandy's going to have to get a new challenger. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Io Shirai, uh, maybe oh, Kaylee Ray, who they've teased in the past. I think Kaylee Ray. Yeah, Kaylee. Um, Kaylee Ray owed a title shot. Did she? I, I want to say that she became number one contender somehow. Seems like it. I mean, I, th- I think she's next in line. Um, you know, I think I think we got a ways to go in building Tiffany Stratton for that NXT oh, Women's yeah. title. Um, we got a new Boa vignette. Washed his face and let me face Solo Sokoa by myself. But when he looked in the mirror and rinsed his face again, he saw the reflection of his mask. <laughs> I can't get rid of it, man. I'm fucking into this, dude. Like, this is like a cool gimmick. This was a cool vignette. I've always liked the stuff they were doing. It was one of, some of my favorite stuff was when they had uh, Zaylee was there with Tian Sha, and they had all those vignettes where they were beating him with the sticks and stuff like that. I think this is some really cool stuff, and this is more of that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's a cool look. I think um, like I'm not I'm not tired of this yet. And uh, but one thing I am tired of is Andre Chase, oh, really? who came out with the Andre Chase University student section cheering him on, and the one that almost got thrown off a roof by Harlan the last week got awarded a scholarship to Chase U. That's right, he got a free ride to a fake university. How can you not like that? How funny is that that he's giving people scholarships to this fake university? That's the greatest thing ever. What do you think the tuition is normally? <laughs> uh, two point dollars, I think, is the tuition. <laughs> Just $2. actually would have been funny. It's like, wait, there's tuition. <laughs> uh, but Von Wagner came out, and uh, they bleeped him when he said enough of this bullshit. Yeah, they let him cuss. So, you know, they're interested in him when they let him get over like that. So Von Wagner, that SmackDown appearance is long in the past now. Yes, apparently Vince didn't like it. Apparently Vince McMahon scrapped it. He was not a fan of, of uh, not Von Wagner personally, but I guess the idea of Adam Pierce having a bodyguard, he didn't like it. So he just, they just moved on from it. Huh. Maybe that's part of the thing. It's like, I've never been invested in him, but it felt like, well, don't get invested in him now. He's going to be gone in a week. Yeah. See, that doesn't do wonders for him when he goes to the main roster and then has to go back to NXT. It's like, well, is it writing on the wall or is it not? But I do still think that they have plans for him. Uh, It was just, it was weird, this segment, because Andre Chase's gimmick is such a heel gimmick and all that stuff he does, I think he should be a heel, but you know, the crowd kind of ironically, and because there was plans from the Chase U section, were going crazy for him. Uh, and Bond was 
the heels. So it was almost like a heel versus heel type storyline. But I, I like this Chase U stuff. I like the student section. Really? I think it's very creative what they're doing with them. I, I do like it. I like the sweater. I, I, I'm in on Chase U. I'm going to try to get one of those scholarships. I, I, I'm going to try to see if I can apply. They should have somewhere where you can apply to go to Chase U. You should just tweet out an essay. <laughs> like, you know, here's, here's, my, here's my admissions essay. I'm going to study black studies at Chase U. That's what I'm going to try to do. <laughs> You're going to be the entire department <laughs> uh, based on what we've seen so far. Stellar Justin Lopez, 499. Please, please keep the mic away from Von Wagner. Brody Hayward, Chase U student, better than Von Wagner. Wow. I agree with that, Justin. I think that Chase student is, is better than Von Wagner. And yeah, that, that, that promo was weird. That was a weird promo he cut, too, because what was he said? He was like, everybody hates me, but when I get in the ring, I'm your favorite wrestler. It's like, who the hell has ever said that? <laughs> that's actually kind of a good gimmick i actually yeah. kind of respect that where it's like to act like you think you're the second coming of john cena yeah you know and you're like kids love me you know and just go in oh, there platitudes you know i would love that oh they should let someone go all the way with that you know <laughs> um so uh yeah and then von wagner beat up chase in the corner that was kind of scary when he was going after the fans and they were trying to make it look real and whatnot, but he actually almost did drag some fan and they almost laid on their face. So that was kind of scary. Really, all the Chase U people are just paid plants, right? Yeah, they're all plants. I'm, I don't mean like an actual plant. Oh. It was a plant and he was taking a bump, but they, it was a very scary looking bump that he took. Yeah. Um. So Cameron Grimes got a vignette, uh, 2020 to the moon. Uh... I hope I hope they give him something good. Is Duke Hudson still in NXT? Is he still there? Last I checked, he was. But I hope they give him something good too. I I, I was kind of at high, I felt like this was going to be the year of Cameron Grimes had they kept with the NXT 1.0 theme. I think 2.0 kind of derailed them a little bit. But hopefully, I don't know with this 2.0 setup, I'm not as confident in Cameron Grimes as I was in the old era. But he's talented enough to pull it off. I'll tell you that. He feels like the most natural call up. Yeah right now he feels like the perfect vince guy and maybe for the wrong reasons but a guy who would get pushed like at a matt riddle level where he's talented in the ring but he does comedy so well and knows how to deliver that wwe material in a way that makes it palatable like that's exactly i think right up vince's alley yeah oh man could you just imagine i'm just like thinking because you know what it's gonna be he's gonna come in and like feud with Dolph or something like it's gonna be really bad this isn't gonna be a hot main roster run yeah, I mean, I, I hope not, but yeah, I could, I could see it just completely going off the rails and, and us forgetting about him in, within a couple of weeks. And he's in Alpha Academy like uh, the next week, you know. <laughs> there you go. He has to shave his head too, just like Chad, just like Chad, just like Otis, and then he is going to be the next guy where they take all this personality, they shave his head, they shave his face, and he just becomes another guy. And he's wearing a singlet, you know. There you yeah. go. Uh, next week, Pete, Pete Dunn versus Tony D'Angelo will be a crowbar on a pole match. Whoever gets it first gets to use it as a weapon. Let's go, Tony D. You got this. If Tony D'Angelo does not win this match next week, I'm really reconsidering my uh, weekly viewing patterns of NXT. Wow. Is this a loser leaves town match? I mean, Tony should have won the last match. He can't lose to Pete Dunne twice. No, if, we can't, if, we, if we can't even get 50-50 booking out of this. Yeah. With a gimmick, too. Tony has to win. We will boycott this podcast if Tony D'Angelo loses. I said it. You'll just see a black screen for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'll talk through a vocoder the entire show. 
Um, main event tonight. Tommaso Ciampa versus Braun Breaker. The NXT Championship. Decent length match. Alfred, did you think? I mean, I think going in, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think going in, we thought Braun was winning this. But were there times in the match where you thought, holy shit, Ciampa's going to retain? Absolutely. This match worked me, and that's a credit to the match because I was 100% certain that Braun Breaker was winning this. I didn't see any scenario where he should have lost this. But when uh, Tommaso Ciampa hit the fairy tale ending, my reaction was, these idiots are going to beat him again. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so part of this is NXT and WWE's bad booking. So that is part of it. Another part of it is the fact that they had a good match that roped me into that. And I, I was convinced. I fell for that a near fall. Even the Willow's Bell, when he hit that Willow's Bell, I was like, oh, my God, are they going to? And uh, so in the end, uh, Braun Baker won. But it is a credit to them with such a correct, predictable match that they were able to, to kind of swerve me a little bit there. To shout this out for a second, because Michael LeVirus said they should connect the Alpha Academy to chase you somehow. Be great if oh, it was God. done right. Alpha Academy could be like the community college to chase you or vice versa, whatever. But <laughs> then they, um, that would be a, oh, okay. So this is my prediction. I think, Michael, I think you're onto something. I think Chase is going to get called up and there's going to be a feud. Chase you versus Alpha Academy, like rival schools. Which side are you on? I love that. I, I, I don't even think WWE realizes the similarities there, but I would love some type of interaction like that. That'd be great. And they should have fight songs. And like Letterman's jackets, there's so much they could do with this. They could have two student sections one student section on this side and one on oh the other. Oh my god, like this is better than the majority of what we see on TV each week. This could really turn me around on Chase U and Alpha Academy, which would make it brilliant. But uh, back to the main event tonight. Um, yeah, I thought I, I was ready. I was like, oh, I'm gonna come on this podcast. Could be like, what is the point of NXT 2.0 if we have this new talent, but the old guys keep going over and you swerved us because he kicked the X open and you thought this is how it was gonna go. Like, I had the rant just just written in my head and then i was like no braun won and it was like oh okay yeah that's that's what i agree with that should have happened yeah i'm glad he did how long do you think braun's championship run's gonna be though until the royal rumble wow that's soon <laughs> yeah, he'll get called up and we'll never, he'll get to the royal rumble and then we'll never see him in nxt again it could happen it could happen and i think you can't you can't put Solo Sokoa on TV every week and like the, the, the clock is running out and how much longer they can have him not be champion being on TV because that dude looks like the most polished wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. He's looks more polished than Pete Dunne. He looks more polished than, um, than Roderick and the guys that have been there a long time. Like Solo Sokoa looks like the most WWE TV ready wrestler um that we've seen in a long long time yeah and i hope they don't do the lazy thing and just put him with the bloodline and i hope they give him his own thing to do maybe he goes to raw goes to a different show and because he does have that potential in terms of being a world beating monster that's already how they're booking him so maybe he does his own thing uh before just you know they put him with uh the bloodline yeah azatez saying good point what happens to champa in nxt 2.0 now that's a good question because i you know, he had that kind of forlorn look like uh, it was all over. And I'm sure maybe he'll get a rematch, but it, it'll be weird with Tommaso Ciampa now that he's not the champion. He's not the guy who's 
holding that promotion together anymore. They are now officially moving on. And from a real-life standpoint, I hate to even bring this up, but this is always the elephant in the room. Now you got to be a little nervous about every three months when that comes around. Are they going to see uh, yeah. whether or not they, they need you? And they do need a guy like Tommaso Ciampa. Given where NXT 2.0 is, you need veterans. And they are on a shortage of these types of veterans who can work. And outside of being a big star in NXT, he can also go and he can show them legitimately these next generation of stars how it's done. You know, the best thing they could do for Ciampa right now is to have Braun's first title defense, have him get really cocky and get the shit kicked out of him, maybe lose, and then have Ciampa be like the Apollo to his Rocky, and Ciampa decides he's going to take him under his wing and manage him, talk for him, because I think Braun's still not fully there on the mic yet. Correct. So I think Ciampa could do good promos, could kind of, you know, do a whole Eye of the Tiger aspect. Like, he could really, um, I think, soar as his coach in NXT and would keep Ciampa relevant. It would give Braun instant credibility. And because I think right now, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a given. You know, if he doesn't get called up right away, I don't think it's a given that he's going to be champ for a long time and just keep knocking yeah. these defenses out. I think he might be transitional. And I've always had that gut feeling because I think that he could be transitional because Vince calls him up or just because you got guys like Solo, you've got bigger and better characters on the brand. Like, Braun's good, but Braun's not. Like, is there anyone that thinks Braun Breaker is the best character on NXT 2.0? No, not the best character, but he's definitely the top guy. I, I felt like that yes. in NXT and how he's promoted. But that would be pretty cool to see Tommaso Ciampa in that mentorship role. And I think that'd be a good way to turn him heel eventually to where he's mentoring Braun Breaker. And he's kind of giving him the babyface rub until Tommaso turns and becomes this wicked heel. Which which if he did that, let's face it, he'd probably become a babyface to NXT 2.0 because yeah. he's such a great heel. But, but that would be a good way to go in terms of making Braun Breaker a babyface is that you have Tommaso in the mentorship role. Yeah, there's a lot that they could do uh, with him there because I don't want to see Tommaso Ciampa go away. I mean, I think if, if someone's going to become a player coach and have a long history in NXT, I mean, I think Tommaso's the guy um, at this point, you know. But who knows what's going on? I mean, like, what's Samoa Joe up to these days? Where has he been? We haven't seen or heard from him since that night where he vacated the title. Nothing. Radio silence. I don't want to get this wrong, and I don't remember if this was a rumor or someone confirmed it. Maybe the chat can. But weren't he, he and Regal spotted at like some performance center, like functions or events or oh, really? something? I, I I don't know why that's in my brain. Maybe Issa mentioned that. I don't remember, but um, I would love to know. Uh, Mister Meowpuss, Australian two ninety nine. Braun debuts after Mania, then wins Money in the Bank. I can see something like that. If Braun Breaker gets called up, Braun Strowman is fucked. Yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to either drop his first name, uh, go, yeah. with, go with Titan. Maybe he'll come back as Titan, uh, but that'll be interesting. They're not bringing him back if, if <laughs> Braun Breaker has a future on the main roster. Or they could change Braun Breaker to Rex Steiner. Nothing wrong with that. It's true. Uh, he won with the Steiner recliner. I was very surprised at that. That not yeah. only did he tap him out, but he won with the Steiner recliner. How about that? Okay, so everyone's saying, yes, they were at the tryouts. The chat room is confirming this. Okay. They're recruiting talent. They're there. They're coaching. So I think with Ciampa, man, look, Ciampa's got an amazing personal life story, his journey. Um, I think he's put in the the miles both in NXT and outside of it. Um, I think, like, yeah, he's not that old comparatively. He looks old. No, like, no offense, dude, but come on. Like, some people age really well. Other people age a little harder and he's also got the haircut and you know there's things he does that they do yeah. accentuate that it makes him look tougher but um yeah i think uh i want him to have a long career but i i do think this was his last championship run in nxt 
Yeah, that's interesting. Very safe to say, though, that we've seen the last of not only him, but people like him. Anybody over their 30s, I think this title now is going to strictly be for these younger up-and-coming athletes like LeBron Breaker. So this really is a changing of the guard. Yeah. And this last title run, I think, was probably even a shock to him after Samoa Joe dropped the title. I don't think Ciampa thought he was going to get another run right. with Goldie, you know? And I'm glad that he did because, you know, he, he's a great champion in terms of somebody, especially what this brand calls for. And somebody, somebody who carries himself like a champion, he, he does a good job of that. And I do think they're going to keep him because I think that with Gargano, I mean, Gargano left by his choice. He just didn't renew. Like I said, with Ciampa, I, I think that um, I would hope NXT would have that same loyalty. What little loyalty they have to the performers, I hope they would have towards him. Yeah, and it, it could be equal parts loyalty and desperation because not only Gargano, <laughs> but also Kyle O'Reilly. Like, look at all these veterans who are leaving. You better have yourselves, you know, a couple of Tommaso Ciampa types. How would you like that meeting, Alfred? <laughs> Raj calls us in and says, look, I got to be honest, this is equal parts loyalty and desperation. But uh, could you guys keep hosting the podcast? You're, you're too kind, Raj, is what I was saying. <laughs> desperation. What was that last part you said? <laughs> The show tonight was just okay. I know normally I get to the end of these and I'm like, oh, well, once we talked about it again, you know what? This was a really good show. This show is okay. Yeah, I agree. That's all I can say about it. That's, I mean, I didn't hate it, but it was nowhere near the level of what takeovers usually are. They had one match that I thought was above average. Uh, I really liked the six man, but other than that, this was eh. the weakest. This was the weakest of the TV Green American Bash Halloween Havocs. This was the weakest of the TV premium live event feel that's what we're supposed to say now uh the weakest of that feel on broadcast tv yeah i i would agree it did feel like another show i mean they had a bunch of matches which is good and they didn't try to cram a bunch of stuff in the show which i i like that style of nxt better when they're not cramming a bunch of stuff because usually the show is very tiring to watch with all the stuff they try to throw at you but it was a wrestling show but it was an okay wrestling show it's fine you know it's fine <laughs> yeah Good, uh, good for Carmelo. Good for uh, yeah, Braun. That's a Carmelo. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Tech, Canadian $5, saying, love the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Thank you. You guys are great. Who would you guys book to win the men's and women's rumbles? Alfred, to you first. That is interesting because I was one of the people who thought Brock Lesnar was going to win, and I still kind of think that that might have been the plan until he won this title. And I haven't reconsidered now that he's the champion. So men's could be wide open. I could see Drew McIntyre, but apparently he's hurt. He's got some neck issues that they're still trying to work through. Uh, let's say Big E. I want Big E to win the Royal Rumble. And men's side, and then the women's? Call me crazy, but I think Liv Morgan's winning the women's Royal Rumble. Yeah, you know, I was thinking that too. But who's she going to face at uh, who's she gonna face at Mania? I mean, do they extend the story they're telling with her chasing Becky? Um, and she finally gets the big win there, but... I just feel like now that she's if she's going to be cycled out of this feud with Becky and they're going to go with Bianca and Becky, I feel like Liv Morgan is going to, you know, hopefully maybe win though because I do think she has momentum with with fans in terms of you know support and and how she's been able to carry herself. I think has really helped her and and her not winning I think has really hurt. And if she doesn't win the Royal Rumble, I think it, the character's really in trouble. Yes, you go back to this podcast to 2016, over five years ago. One Glenn Rubenstein talking about John Adadio, who we saw wrestle at an NXT house show in Lakeland, Florida, saying this girl has got it with Morgan all the way. Um, 
No, I think Liv is a very good pick. On the men's side, well, Tony D'Angelo, of course. It's going to be Oh, yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, Braun, that would be interesting. I don't think Braun wins the championship at Mania, though. Um, I could see him entering and not winning, but getting in a storyline and a call-up there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who do you think really needs it right now? I mean, Biggie, I think, almost needs it at this point. But do you think, though, to have Biggie and Liv Morgan back chasing the championships... Like is a little too too much repetition on what we just saw. Yeah, you're kind of running it back. It's just that I think this is going to be a unique WrestleMania, and I don't know if necessarily Biggie's going to be in the main event of WrestleMania just by winning the Royal Rumble. You know, I think they have oh, a yeah. direction. Maybe they're going to unify those titles. Ooh. Maybe they're going to do a tournament style where you know you have to beat one guy, and then the second night you're going to kind of like what we see in New Japan. But um, I see it being being a wonky year. I don't think the winner of the Royal Rumble is automatically going to headline WrestleMania, and so I could see Biggie being thrown into that mix. I like uh, Sergio saying Bailey comes back. Oh, it's about time, actually. I think she, we, we're at like the seven month mark. Yeah, I could see that. I like that one. Okay. No, I'm going to stick with Liv Morgan, but I would love to see Bailey back. That's actually a really good topic. No, I think that'd be great. Cool, everybody. Well, thank you for hanging with us tonight. The uh, show was okay, but I hope this podcast, as always, was excellent. Uh, Tomorrow night, AEW live show, the fallout from Tony Khan's tweet. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. On TBS. On TBS tomorrow night. (laughs) Finally getting the finals of the Women's Championship. The TBS tournament. Who's your pick? Jade Cargill. I feel like Jade, they booked her very well. I feel like she has a lot of yeah. momentum. It's been a good tournament. They've done a good job with, um, especially with the final, like the top heavy. I think it's been very top heavy in trying to decide who's going to win with between her, Thunder Rosa, Ruby Soho, and Nyla Rose. I thought that was a good final four. Chris Statlander yeah. was, did a good job. We shall see. And then we'll be back here Friday night to talk about the SmackDown and the AEW Rampage very exciting uh alfred is that this is nasty i am Atlanta rubenstein thank you everyone for tuning in and we will catch you back next time on the wrestling inc podcast take care happy new year and have a great this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.